Welcome to the Jump Around with Blake Dudonis, my podcast on women's basketball. It has been a long, long break here at the Jump Around. I was a little busy this year, but excited to be back and bring back this first episode. We'll be looking to bring you a lot of these leading up to the tournament, and I'm really excited for today's guest, Megan Duffy, head coach at Marquette. Duffy had a stellar playing career at Notre Dame and played professionally for a while, got into the college rankings, uh, kind of worked her way up, has been a, a really unbelievable head coach in her three years, uh, has won 20-plus games each year, uh, been postseason each year, and her Marquette team will do that. Took over a Marquette program who had won a ton recently but graduated an absolute barrel full of talent, and they have still found a way to win 20-plus games. They're in second place in the Big East, so I'm looking forward to talking to Duff about her rise through her career as a, as a player and then into coaching and all the success and what goes behind it. So we'll take a quick break, come right back with Duffy. This is the Jump Around. And welcome back to the Jump Around. And joining me, as promised, it is Marquette head coach Megan Duffy. Coach, thanks so much. I know it's a, a crazy time of the year to, to be stepping away from basketball-related things, so I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to join me today. Thanks, Blake. I, I feel honored to be on the show. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm looking forward to having you, and you've had such a interesting career uh, as far as your coaching goes, but let's go back first. Let's, let's start at the beginning when young teenage Megan Duffy in Ohio, um, looking at, you know, considering where she's going to play college basketball, you end up settling on Notre Dame. Tell me, if you took me back to 17, 18-year-old you, and I asked you, hey, what are you going to, the next 15, 20 years, what does that look like? What would you have told me then? Uh, I mean, you're looking at a kid who was just so passionate about basketball and, and just kind of loved everything about life back then. And, I know everybody has different experiences in high school and, and then in college, but I, I was lucky to be at a, at a high school in Dayton, Ohio, that was super successful and, and whatever sport people were talking about. And I got to learn at an early age, you know, the work ethic and, you know, what winning meant. And uh, we had some really successful teams at, at Dayton, Chaminade, Julianne. And I played on a really good AAU team that, you know, traveled the country like a lot of these kids are getting the exposure with. And, um, you know, really just kind of kept my head down and was just focused on, you know, being around my teammates and being a good teammate and getting better. Um, I had, you know, at an early age, just a drive to continue to improve. And all of a sudden, you know, colleges kind of start calling and the recruiting process is, is obviously a little different with technology and cell phones and, you know, all the Twitter and social media stuff. But I ultimately, you know, being an Irish Catholic growing up, um, when Coach McGraw uh, came into the picture and, and said, hey, you're going to have an opportunity to play at Notre Dame, I, uh, it didn't take me very long to decide that's where I wanted to be. And uh, like people say, uh, it can potentially be the best four years of your life. And, and it really was. Um, back then, I was very fortunate to be able to, to go there and um, really grow as a, as a player and, and a person and thrive academically. And I think having a great experience like that propelled me into, you know, thinking and wanting, you know, to get into coaching. Well, you talk about growing as a player, and I think it's so easy sometimes to look at the end result and say, oh, they were a great player. But, I mean, your freshman year, you averaged three points a game. I mean, you didn't even yeah, score. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> 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 you, you averaged 16 your senior year, so it worked out okay. It worked out okay. But you, you, <laughs> if you don't mind telling me about that process, because 
we see it all the time, right? You you have a stellar high school career, you go into college, and you're playing with 14 other best players from their high school. What was that like your first year starting out and then growing through all four years? I mean, absolutely. I, I think I, I fit the mold of what a lot of freshmen are going through, specifically this season or any freshman year. It's just really hard. And, you know, people can prepare you and tell you, you know, you're going to be playing against, obviously, women now. And, you know, it's a whole new level in the speed and the pace and just the grind of a season. But until you go through it, you don't really realize it as, as a young kid. And I got to play a decent amount my freshman year. Um, but statistically, and, and maybe my contributions weren't, you know, on paper really, uh, really glamorous. But, you know, being in Coach McGraw's system and learning how to be a point guard and a leader at a, at a whole nother level uh, wasn't valuable. And, and I just took every opportunity I had, whether it was, you know, in a, in a team meeting or one-on-one with my coaches to, to try and grow and, and just stay in the moment in the day-to-day grind. And I remember having kind of my end-of-the-year meeting after my freshman year and kind of embarrassed, like, man, I, I used to be a really good shooter in high school. Hmm. Now I can't throw it in the ocean. And <laughs> I had this drive of, like, this is not how it's supposed to be. So that fueled me a lot. Uh, just kind of wanting to live up to why I had the opportunity to play at Notre Dame and, and really prove myself. And that, I remember that spring and summer after my first year, it was like a, a, whole, a whole new person with just getting in the gym and understanding what it's going to take to be great. And I think that was a great foundation for the rest of my career there. Yeah. Your next two years, you shot 40% from three. I'd say that's pretty good. <laughs> so I'll, I'll give you that one. Also, you uh, your senior year, you're a Kodak Honorable Mention All-American. And then you also won, I think, one of the more – um, oddly specific awards ever, the Francis Pomeroy Naismith Award for being the best senior under five foot eight. I mean that. I mean, congrats, but that seems like a very, very specific award, Duff. Yeah, it's interesting. It was you know kind of a small person award, and you could only qualify. People you know stretch their height a little bit, an inch or two, and I was like, I'm going to stay right at five seven and keep going about my business. And uh, yeah, and I had the opportunity to win that, and that was kind of when Ivory Lotto was coming out. There's some really good players. Um, Aaron Grant, I was at Texas Tech. There was just some some awesome point guards around the country, and was fortunate enough to to win that award. And it's it's kind of the funny joke. I don't even know if it really exists anymore, but uh, I was very you know excited at that point in my life to to receive a small person award and <laughs> you know stay out of the trees inside. I guess. <laughs> well, you end up parlaying that career into a WNBA and professional career for a bit. You get drafted in the third round by Minnesota. Uh, growing up, was was that ever uh, a goal of yours to to get drafted into the WNBA? And then when once you did, what kind of take me through that process? I loved watching the WNBA. I loved watching you know Cheryl Swoops and Cynthia Cooper and Lisa Leslie, Dawn Staley, the the legends of our game, kind of get that league up and running and uh, but by no means did I think I even would have had a shot if you would have asked me at the beginning of my college career that I would have a chance to get drafted or even play a couple years and man it was a, a phenomenal experience um, to play with Minnesota and then play with the New York Liberty in my last year just learning how to be a professional I think you know in my three years of playing overseas and in the WNBA I had the opportunity to to play for I think nine or ten head coaches and you talk about learning different styles and philosophies and uh, there's so many different ways to skin a cat right as they say and I just thought as I was kind of a journeyman in the league I was never going to be you know this all-star superstar but it started to get me thinking about kind of the next steps and getting into coaching and Mm. just how much you have to prepare and just finding little nuances to to stand out 
out. And I, I loved that part of that. Even when I was overseas, you're, you're learning just, it's just different over there with just the style and the coaching. And I, I got to just gain a lot of experience that way. Maybe then differently if I would have just gone right into to coaching and, and started at, you know, a lower level and, you know, just kind of had to work my way up from that side. So it was really unique in those three years. And I honestly thought I'd play a lot longer than I did and um, ultimately got this coaching bug and, uh, you know, knew with 100% of my heart that I was ready to get in and try it and see if I could help that next generation just tell a lot of my coaches did with me. Yeah, well, you, you got in uh, at St. John's under uh, Kim Barnes-Rico. Now, I've, I've talked to, we've had Joe Taramello on here before, and he talked about the incredible scout team you guys had uh, at St. John's. Uh, you had you had quite a squad to go against your girls uh, every now and then. Uh, a, t- a team or a staff full of coaches who are still doing really good things. Uh, walk, walk me through th- some of that uh, experience at St. John's. Blake, I'm telling you, in our minds, we were famous, uh, best scout team in the country. And, uh, you know, we talked about it, too. But we, we had a lot of fun, man. For my first coaching job to pack my bags up from, you know, Dayton, Ohio, and go move to the big city at St. John's. And, you know, Coach Coach Rico took a chance on me, you know, a little bit based on my playing experience and kind of what I built there. But, um, you know, she opened my eyes to the grind and the work ethic it takes in coaching. But, you know, to go back to your original question, the scout team with, with Joey T, he was known back then, and myself, and Joey McCorvey, who's down at Florida State now. I mean, we had a squad. And the, and the funny part is you got to go from – playing on the scout team and and you're playing against some pretty, you know, pretty solid athletes, right? So you have to try in this. It's not like we're just showing up and playing. Um, We were known to to really frustrate Coach Rico at times because we got so into it and competitive. And she used to say, hey, guys, you remember, it's not about you. And, uh, you know, just Eric Tebow was on that staff, as you obviously know him pretty well. And we just had a whole lot of fun. And the funny part is between Joe and myself and Throw and Joy and Eric, it was like who was going to get the opportunity to take the game-winning shot. (laughs) And let alone who we're trying to prepare our team for, right? It was like who was going to get the game-winning shot with that um, all-star scout team so we had a lot of fun doing it and then you know you're completely out of breath and old and then you got to get back to teaching your team you know in practice so um it was it was a great time and man i uh we still talk about it today when i saw joe this year when we played him at st john's i said man that was that was a good old days well you you've had you you have you have a few seasons there and then you go on to a new role at george washington as the associate head coach and obviously a different league but still very high uh up there in the a10 and yeah, you have a different experience there. What was that like kind of making the transition? Because getting into coaching, like you said, it's a it's a new thing. You figure it out and then you make the job switch and you make the title switch. Uh, what was the what were the differences there when you made that jump? I think my first job at St. John's is so much about learning the business and everything that goes into it from, you know, jumping in the car and driving four hours to recruit for an hour and a half and then jump in the car and come back home. Right. Mm-hmm. When I decided to take that position with Jonathan Sippis at George Washington, he was a first time head coach. And one of the things that he kind of lured me to the GW with him was to kind of see things through the eyes of that first year head coach and what it takes and the different pressures he's going to be under and to be kind of his 
right-hand man in a different way. The, the other really cool thing that, you know, little did I know fast forward that I was going to be building some programs of my own. Mm-hmm. We had to rebuild some things at GW too. So what that meant uh, from a recruiting side of things and, and the patience it takes and really the decisions you make to, to help get that program going was, was awesome. And I really enjoyed uh, working for, for him. And I, I think it was neat because he was one of my assistants when I was at Notre Dame. Yep. So to kind of come full circle and kind of give back to him like he did for me when I was a player was a, was a great experience out there. Yeah. And then you go, you go work for your former head coach again at Michigan uh, and again make another jump and going into the Big Ten. Uh, what were the major differences there when you made uh, the switch from G-Dub to, to Michigan? Well, first and foremost, I was really looking forward to getting back to the Midwest where I was from. You know, sometimes this game takes you all over the world and the country and, you know, you're away from family. So I know that was a big part uh, with my situation with my family to be kind of a little bit closer to them and, you know, the comfort level of working for for Kim. And, you know, obviously it's a a different university and a different set of challenges, but uh, I was a whole new person and coach when I went back to Michigan to work for her. And, man, we had a great time. I mean, I still to this day really feel when it was – uh, you know, Joy McCorvey, myself, Melanie Moore, and then obviously Kim. Uh, we had an all-star, all-female staff and, you know, just really made an impact on a lot of our players' lives. And, you know, we're still in a little bit of a kind of building process at Michigan and trying to get that program up to the national scene. And, uh, you know, there's a ton of work that went into that. But a great place, you know, that was when Harbaugh was coming in. And there's just a lot of different dynamics there that was wild and crazy. And, you know, everything there is big. And um, so I, I learned a lot of just kind of that bigger – bigger scaled university as well. Ann Arbor's great too. Like I love Ann Arbor. Good food scene. It's a yeah, great it's food scene. Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. Yeah, we could we could do a full hour long podcast on food in Ann Arbor, but we'll we'll save that for another day. Um, you you end up taking your first head coaching job at Miami, Ohio in the MAC. And you took over a team that had won 11 games the year before you got there. Uh, the three or four years prior to that, they'd won single digit games and you instantly turn the thing around you go 21 and 11 in your first year 12 and 6 in conference make the NIT uh, then 23 and 9 the following year 13 wins in conference and another WNIT and I was I was taken by stylistically how much the team changed they were uh, one of the worst teams in terms of points per 100 possession the year before you got there and then you come uh, and they jump up nearly 13 points in that regard and end up uh, finishing in the top 78 percentile in that. How were you able to so quickly make that change and find success at Miami? I think a lot of the, the, the time at Miami, especially my first year, was was changing a mindset and getting these these kids to believe that they're better than they are. And, and you know, there was a little bit of a kind of a just a, a losing mentality there. And, you know, I, I said that's not going to be our excuse of why we're not successful. And, you know, I, I one of the things I learned from my time at Notre Dame and then even how I mentioned I, I got to play for a lot of different coaches was I was going to take this team – and say, okay, what's the best possible situation for them to be in on offense? And the same thing on defense. And how are we going to win a few more games that fit them? So I was never the type that was going to come in right off the bat and say, 
okay, we're going to try and score 100 a game or we're going to be a, you know, a hard-nosed pressure man-to-man team and then you don't have the players to do it. And I really talked to a lot of, you know, people ask me about just different styles. And I said, you know, eventually, hopefully you can get to the style you want to play. Um, but kids can lose confidence when it, it doesn't fit what they can do. And we spent a lot of time. I remember that first spring and summer with our individual workouts. And I probably drove, drove my staff crazy because they're like, well, what are we going to run? What are we going to run? <laughs> and I said, I, I want to spend this next four or five months really seeing if we can catch and finish a layup. And do we need to go <laughs> off one foot or two feet? Uh you know, how do we push through on another sprint? Okay, how do we not when the ball, you know, is, is loose on the floor that we stand there and go, up? Oh, I don't feel like going mm-hmm. after it. So all those little things, to me, that was the foundation of our work at Miami. And then obviously we got better and, and that's when your confidence grows. And and I did have a couple of like really solid players that we kind of built some things around and put them in the right positions to, to do what they do. And and then uh, as you can see, we, we had some great success in those two years. Was there anything that caught you off guard as a first-time head coach? Um, anything that surprised you, for better or for worse, uh, about being a head coach that at any point you're like, huh, that's that's something that maybe you didn't expect? Well, I, I felt like with who I worked for and my different stops as an assistant, I was really prepared from the, okay, you got to do some marketing. Okay, you're going to do your recruiting, you know, the relationship with your players. I've always loved all those pieces about it, kind of the external side of things. I guess what I didn't realize, and I, I've spoken at a couple places about this to try and help prepare some of those young coaches who will eventually be head coaches, is the emotion of being in that chair. And I've always prided myself on being a pretty steady um, kind of person in general. Don't get too high or too low. I learned that from a very young age. Um, and it's interesting when you move over those six inches, you're tested on that every single day. Like your message, what is it going to be to your team today when you're a little frustrated with them? Um, you know, the pulse of kind of the emotional part of it for not only yourself, but your team. I didn't realize the impact of that as a head coach, that every time you address your team, every time you're in a one-on-one meeting with them, that your words are everything. And how do you keep yourself steady with um, sometimes as head coaches or any coaches, you put the way of the world on your shoulders, but how can you stay steady for them and, and say the right things? And uh, I think I've really grown from that, um, you know, now in my third year as a head coach of just finding that pulse and that temperature of people, uh, whether that's staff or our team. And I think that's also an ever evolving process, but nobody, I promise you, Blake told me that you could kind of see your boss as an assistant kind of going through it. You're like, Oh, she's kind of in it yeah. or ma'am, I, or he's kind of in it. They're not, but you don't really get it until you're sitting there. And as much as I can kind of preach about that and kind of just figuring out how you handle your, your emotions through a season is, um, is important. Yes. Fully understand. Fully understand. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Yes, I do. Uh, You, you make the jump uh, to Marquette and I I know, and I know you've been asked this before, but you know, caught some people by surprise. You know, you're only in Miami two years, but you, you have a chance to go back into the conference that you played in. Uh, Notre Dame was in the Big East when you were there Uh, and you take over a, a much different situation. I'm always, always, and I will never stop being intrigued by this and you've done both. So you're a perfect person to ask. You take over Miami. Bad program, struggling, need something good. You take over Marquette, really good program, who's really seen a ton of success. They lost so much from last year, but still, it's a program that had been winning. What were, were there differences there as far as taking over that program that was in a different state than your prior? 
Yeah, very different. And I think if you would have asked me, I would would have been at Marquette, and I was really happy at Miami with how things were going, and we had a really, really great freshman class. And I had one conversation with our athletic director here, Bill Scholl, who I knew from my time at Notre Dame, and you know, he kind of said, hey, just maybe come over at the Final Four and just have a conversation. And I said, I feel like I owe it to him. He's, he's helped me in some ways on, on other fronts. And, I mean, I was blown away by the passion of this place and, you know, what kind of life I could have here with my teams. And, obviously, Coach Keeger did a phenomenal job of building this program. But then you look at it like you're saying, and we lost. I mean, you talk about what we lost statistically. I mean, five people who scored a thousand points and one of those was a 2000 point scorer in Blockton and Heidemann was a, a couple shy off of that. And, and you really kind of get back to as much as the program was at a very high level, you need to build it or rebuild it in a, in a different kind of way. And, you know, we had six freshmen coming in and five returners who, who didn't hardly play at all. And they're looking at me and I'm looking at them and I'm like, what the heck, I guess we better get to work and figure it out. And, and just even that kind of take a deep breath and we're going to be fine and let's have some fun doing this. And I can't tell you, one of my uh, sophomores, Chloe Murata, came in my office the other day and we were kind of talking about the end of the season here and postseason and tournament. And she goes to me, she brought it up, she goes, coach, can you believe we would have won 20 plus games after some of those spring workouts? <laughs> and I go, man, you took the words right out of my mouth, Chloe, but you just, just the growth and the quality of individuals here has been cool, but it, it has been different. I think the, the interesting part is you want to keep Marquette at such a high level that I was at before. And no, you might take a little bit of a dip with young players and new roles. So I didn't really have any expectations. I'm not, I'm not sure I knew what that meant. Does that mean you're going to win 10 games? Does that mean you're going to win five games? And I, I guess I'm always the eternal optimist of I'm just going to work every day with this team and hopefully we'll, we'll steal some and be annoying to play against and play hard. And uh, eventually with the, the growth of our individual players on this team, we've been able to, to have a, a very, very successful season after being picked ninth in the preseason. Yeah, well, it's, it is cool. You guys are 21-7 and seven right now, 12-5 and five in conference. You're, you're sitting in second place. And, and I obviously, you know, I, I – we're friends and I support you and excited for you. But in same thing, I'm like, wow, she's taken over a team. Let's let's see how this works with all the people they're replacing. And I know when you played the, when you played Northwestern in the non-conference, you played them pretty close. So we had no idea Northwestern was going to be as good as they were. Uh, but then you guys host Mississippi state and lose by six. And for me, I remember watching that game going, Whoa, like they, they've got something here. Was there a moment like that for you this year where you went, Hey, I actually think we, we might be okay. I remember, I think it was the practice right before we played Northwestern, and Selena Lott, our, our, arguably one of our best players, was out with an injury. And I remember kind of hollering at him at practice. I'm like, if you, if you guys don't think you can win this game, like I, I'm going to end practice right now type of deal. Mm. You know, and one of those rants your, your coach goes on that everybody remembers. <laughs> um, and I really believe that. Now, the, the unknown was when we showed up, when the lights turned on and you're playing a really quality Big Ten team or you're playing Mississippi State, what are you going to do? And I, I think those two games we reference a lot now in conference play where you're in the grind and everybody knows each other. But I, I saw a lot of just a balanced team, a team that was going to run through a wall for me and our coaching staff. Uh, and at the same time, a team that was still unsure, can we beat anybody good? Can mm. we beat a ranked team like Mississippi State? And you know, we ended up losing Mississippi State, but we're up five or six with – 
four minutes to go in the game. Yep. And that's against, obviously, a team that pressures you and, and is athletic and is going to do great in the NCAA tournament. So I think they were almost shocked with, oh, we can kind of compete a little <laughs> bit. And uh, we addressed all that, like, you know, just from a confidence and, a, you know, if you keep staying the course and keeping your blinders on, and um, you're, you're going to be able to beat some good teams yeah. here in the season. Uh, with your team, you guys average 18 assists a game, which is 10th in the country. That's a pretty absurd number. Is that something that you guys stress uh, within your offense, or does that come as a byproduct of you know not having just all these scores that can just go and do it? What is that an intentional thing, or is that something that you guys just kind of happened upon? I, I think uh, I, I love. It's probably one of my favorite stats of assists assist per May basket, and I think we've been able to be because we've been so balanced. We don't have. Um, a big 20-point scorer, a kid that's going to take a huge volume of shots. So it's really to our advantage when people scout us. We have, um, you know, interesting, there's a, there's not a lot of true back-to-the-basket players out there anymore, and we have a couple of them um, in Lauren Van Clunen and Cameron Taylor who can kind of hold down the fort there, and, and we got good balance from the guard position that um, the ball is moving, and it's it makes it difficult for teams to defend because it's like, all right, are you going to kind of attack your perimeter game or are you going to throw it inside? And we've really um, understood that if, you know, with our team, that if one person's a little off on a night, that doesn't mean we're going to lose a game. We have that good balance that we can get four or five people potentially in double figures and, and also along with that rely on our defense a little bit. So uh, I'm not sure we, we set out with a number of how that was going to look, but I know the way we try and work on our passing and sharing the ball and then recognizing what the opponent is giving us in a certain game we've been able to win uh in the 80s and we've been able to win a game in the 50s uh, and i think a lot of that goes back to how we share um basketball and how we're very much a selfless team yeah. well you guys are are playing really well right now you've won four of your last five and on sunday you'll play to paul and it's kind of crazy you guys opened your conference season in december with the paul and now you haven't played them until now until march so obviously a much different team how have you guys grown specifically through Big East play? Blake, we had a lot of film to watch. I mean, you think about that. You play your first conference game against him, and then you play in the last game. And, and not only that, it's a huge rivalry. I watched the film, obviously, a couple times from when we played in the first time, and I'm almost like kind of a little bit smiling because I'm like, who are the yeah. kids <laughs> yep. right now? Yep. You know, and you're like, <laughs> wow, like the rotation's a little different, even what was successful and what wasn't. And I feel good about that as the, the work that this team has put in to improve. And obviously that's the name of the game. You don't want to obviously be the same team you are in the end of December. You want to be peaking at the right time. And uh, a lot of our young kids, we've been playing. Sometimes there's been four freshmen on the court. Uh, their growth has been tremendous. And I remember even back at that game, they didn't even hardly see the floor. So that shows how much they've grown in, in, the, in the last couple months. And, you know, we've, we've created our identity with just the balance of our team and being a little bit more hard-nosed than we were back then. And, and but at the same time, it's like DePaul's improved too. So you know, who yeah. knows, Blake? It's, it's going to be an awesome <laughs> battle and a great crowd here in Milwaukee. And uh, you know, you they've they've sat atop the league and for most of the year we've been right behind them. So it's going to be a great um, tune-up for for March Madness. Yeah, and then conference tournament starts March sixth, and you obviously will try to make a push for the tournament when you have time to actually breathe and and look back on the season and. As coaches, we know that doesn't really happen. You got like three days that you can actually kind of breathe. But um, when you look back on this year, what do you think? And I know you're still in it, but is there anything specifically you think that will jump out to you that, um, again, positive, positive or not, but that just 
maybe you just go, huh, that's that's funny. I wouldn't have quite expected that specific thing. I just can't tell you how proud I am of uh, the, just the two seniors that, that came back, LT Anderson and Izzy Spangola, the way they've bought into me and my philosophies and systems. And it's been a little different than they've had in the past. And, you know, I really challenged them to, to really work on building relationships with their, their coaches and their teammates a little better. And um, I just can't believe what I saw in the spring to what they are um, right now. And, I, you know, I, I think sometimes you wait till after the season to have that perspective, but we're talking about it now. Like they deserve every recognition. They deserve the, the postseason appearance because of what the, these, these are two seniors that pretty much sat for three years mm. and waited their turn against all those stars and they didn't transfer and they didn't complain and all they did was just stay the course and work and then when their time came I mean it's one of the best life lessons you can you can bring to the table of just resiliency and that grit and and it's been contagious for even some of our young freshmen who maybe don't see exactly the light at the end of the tunnel right now and they've been phenomenal and really that whole core of five kids who came back um, from last year to to lay that foundation I, I I still and I have a feeling this could go down in history for me with my career is just mm. that group of kids that were so connected and they had this mentality of coach whatever you want us to do we're ready our time has come and I know we're not maybe not the you know the best things you've seen so spice bread but we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna run through a wall for you and win games and uh, I mean they're genuinely a joy to coach every day and even when I'm mad at them and you know getting on them you know I, I want to go have training table with them right after that and sit with them and see what they're doing with the rest of their day and all that and that's a that's an awesome situation to be in that's good stuff that's really good stuff again marquette incredible year 21 and 7 12 and 5 in conference will wrap up the regular season sunday against DePaul. duff let me ask you though i i talk about when you get to go back and reflect what what is off season like what's a break for you like tell me please like what's mm. non-basketball related thing what what is megan Duff, duffy's ideal you know, week, two week vacation. What does that hey, look like? Week two, yeah. Good question. Um, I mean, we're in grind mode now, but I'm a, I'm a big concert person. So if anybody knows anything about Milwaukee, Summerfest comes up in the summer and uh, my fiance and I already have tickets to a couple shows there. Big foodie. So the, the food scene here in Milwaukee is phenomenal. And I haven't even like scratched the surface with it. So if anybody knows the area, Third Ward and down by um, where the Bucks play is, is just really just active and people everywhere. Um, so I'll be doing that. I'm actually a big golfer, too. So I'll be when the weather gets a little nicer, be out um, hitting the links a little bit. And so I, I for as much as I'm so locked into the hoops, I feel like right now it's crazy. I do love to, to travel and you know, um, just get out and do some fun things with friends or my family and uh, kind of keep that balance with everything. Yeah, awesome. Uh, yeah, congratulations on your engagement, by the way. That's exciting news. Thanks. Can I break? Oh, I got to plan a wedding, too. Yeah, boy. I was going to say, can, can I break, break any yeah, wedding news? Can we break some wedding news here, like venue or anything like that? Uh, just the summertime, I'll, I'll be, it'll be official. So, like, that's the one thing that's funny that we're like, okay, after the season, we might as well get that wedding planning thing happening, I guess. Good luck. Soon. Good luck. I've been <laughs> there, you. been there, done that. I know, I know the difficulties, uh, of, of doing around seasons. Uh, last thing, I'll get you out of here on this. I always like to kind of end with a, an open-ended, uh, question statement, but for you, what's, if you had a chance just to make one comment about what you want you to be known for what you want your program to be known for like what's the message what's the one thing if someone just said hey sum up what you what you guys are all about what would you say to that i 
I would say Marquette basketball and myself and our entire coaching staff, um, you know, we just want to be known as a, you know, great, genuine people who work extremely hard, have great attitudes. And at the end of the day, want to help young people in any way possible we can. And uh, I think the greatest part about being here is just, just the people I'm around and it's a super successful environment. And obviously the, the basketball piece being at a basketball school is, is awesome. And um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of keeping things simple and not a lot of drama and, you know, having fun in what we're doing and um, you know, investing in our student athletes. Awesome. Well, Again, Marquette having a stellar year. Congrats to you, Duff, on all your success uh, throughout your career, but this year especially. Good luck Sunday and through uh, your conference term, and, and hope to see you guys uh, playing in the big dance. But I really appreciate you taking time for me today, and best of luck to you guys. Awesome. Thanks, Blake. Good to catch up. Well, thanks again to Marquette head coach Megan Duffy for taking some time out of her day to join me here, and uh, I'm excited to see what her team can do uh, going down the stretch here in March. Thank you for listening to the jump around uh, appreciate it so much and glad to be back uh, putting some episodes out and talking to some pretty cool people uh, if you listen to iTunes um, you can rate us uh, subscribe all that stuff you can also find us on Spotify Google Play or whatever else I assume you know that because you're listening to it right now you can follow me on Twitter at Blake Dudonis and until next time this is the jump around